Oh, wow. Well, now we know why he's forgiven student loan debt. The Gallup poll has just come out. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Let me give you these Gallup numbers here. Joe Biden's approval has dropped three net points to 4156. It had been 4254. Looking at approval, uh, independence, his approval rating is 35%, men 36%, women 46%, 18 to 29-year-olds 34%, non-college grads 34%, college grads 53% approval rating. Oh, not good for him. But the 53% approval rating for college grads is why he intends to pay off everybody or forgive people student loans. Now, now, I want to talk to you about a controversial subject, Roe versus Wade. And I got to preface it with this. Uh, And I've told this story before, uh, and, and it's worth saying again. When I got started in radio, I mean, I talked about everything, and, and I got to admit, I really was the, the red meat slinger doing my poor impression of Rush. I'm glad I Rush was a mentor uh, because he he reassured me repeatedly that the way for to succeed in talk radio was to stop trying to be like him and just be yourself, be relatable and personable and all that, and it helped. And I'll never forget, I filled in for Rush the very first time I filled in for him. And um, it was up in New York. It was at Rockefeller Center. I didn't realize his, his – I mean, I knew he said it, but, you know, you, you never know in radio. But he, his office was at uh, Rockefeller Center. It was on, I think, the seventh floor. You could actually look out from the window in Russia's office and see the little balcony garden where Matt Lauer used to have all of his affairs. Uh, there's a, It was elevated. It's like four or five stories up. Uh, in the next building over in Rockefeller Center, there was this rooftop garden. If you've ever seen, in fact, uh, if you have ever seen Daredevil, there is a scene and Sigourney Weaver is in a garden, a rooftop garden, looking out over um, St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York. That's the garden area. It's very cool. I had no idea that sort of existed. You get up that high, you look down, you see stuff. It was neat. The Russia's office was so cool. It was very big, very big office. Uh, and he had all of his model jets. He loved private planes. He loved planes. He had model jets. And you look through the window, and there was Bo Snurdly and Kit Carson. It was very cool. No, the Golden EIB microphone was not there. He kept it with him in Florida at the Southern Command. The guest hosts were not allowed to use the Golden EIB microphone. But – I remember during the show, it was my very first time filling in, and there was a, a I, I referenced abortion. I was talking about abortion, and it wasn't like a relevant news story. It was just as a, as a side takeaway, we was talking about it. And when the show was over, one of the executives of the show came in, or one of the, the iHeart people came in. It wasn't really directly to the show, just, just to kind of eh, encourage me, say I'd done good, but... Avoid that topic. The three topics you should always avoid, guns, religion, and abortion, unless they are directly relevant to a news story. That was the advice I was told. They weren't mad. They just wanted me to know in the future that you should avoid talking about these subjects. And it, it has is, in fact, common conventional wisdom. I have mentioned this before to different people in talk radio, and they told me the same thing. Don't talk about those topics. Don't talk about guns. 
Don't talk about abortion. Don't talk about religion. <laughs> and I talk about all three. My gosh, how have I been able to do this job, particularly the religion one? You would be amazed the number of executives in radio who get upset with me for talking about religion. But abortion and guns are considered polarizing even within conservative talk radio because there are a lot of people who really aren't all that down with either one. Even though they claim to be, they don't like to talk about it. They don't like to think about it, all of that. Um, the result, the result is most conservative talk radio show hosts don't talk about these issues unless there is a relevant immediate news story. Well, there's not one, but there's about to be on abortion and we might as well talk about it. The Supreme Court is considering Dobbs versus Jackson women's health in Mississippi. The case is about an abortion ban in Mississippi. It was a 15-week abortion ban where Mississippi said uh, no abortions in Mississippi after 15 weeks. Now, you should know, for those of you who are pro-choice or pro-abortion, really, uh, Planned Parenthood says you can now call yourself plan, uh, pro, pro-abortion. You don't have to call yourself pro-choice anymore. You should be for abortion. It is the sacrament after all of your religion. Um, Mississippi has this law, no more abortions after 15 weeks. This is actually a fairly European model. Most European countries ban abortions between uh, 10 and 15 weeks and thereafter. Uh, We're actually, uh, we in North Korea and China have the three most liberal abortion laws on the planet. Almost every country in Europe, including Sweden, has more restrictive abortion laws than the United States does. And Dobbs would put it at 15 weeks, modeled on, on several European countries. And Mississippi went to the Supreme Court, and after this case was, after a federal judge said this is unconstitutional, and Mississippi said, not only should you allow 15 weeks, you should also reverse Casey and Planned Parenthood. Now, this is where I make you smarter than all of your friends. Follow along with me here, please. There are two primary abortion cases in in, uh, Mississippi, in, in the nation. Uh, Roe versus Wade and Casey versus Planned Parenthood. Roe versus Wade came out of the 1970s, an all-male white Supreme Court other than Thurgood Marshall, uh, and the majority in the court ruled that abortion was a right found within the Fifth Amendment of the Constitution uh, via the Ninth Amendment and the Fourteenth Amendment. Um So here's what the Fifth Amendment of the Constitution says. Um, uh, 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 Wait, no. Is it the Fifth Amendment? Yeah. Um, Or is it the Fourth Amendment? No person shall be held, blah, 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 blah. Um, No person shall be subject. Nope, it's it's not the Fifth Amendment. Um, um, Nope, it's not the Fifth Amendment. Maybe it's the Fourth Amendment. I'm sorry, folks. No, No, it's the Sixth Amendment. Um, you would think I would know these things. Being in law school, I promise. Just, just calm down. Don't get your knickers and knots here. Um, yeah, you, you've got the right to privacy. In, in in under the the Bill of Rights, and as a result of that, the court then extrapolated that you've got a right to in your right to privacy. You've got the right to your um, yes, it's the Fourth Amendment. I was stalling. 
And it, look, it's four, five, or six. Come on. I mean, the first is speech, religion, assembly. Second is guns. Third is no quartering. And then the fourth, fifth, and sixth are all that, that judicial stuff. But here it is. It's the fourth. The right of the people to be secure in their persons, homes, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated. And no warrants shall be issued but upon probable cause, supported by oath or affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. So now, let's expand this. The Supreme Court in a Griswold versus Connecticut said that the Fourth Amendment is actually a privacy right. You have the right to be secure in your person's homes, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures. And that is a privacy right. They said also the Ninth Amendment, you need to understand what the Ninth Amendment says as well, uh, because the Ninth Amendment gives you what they call the penumbras. The enumerations in the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others contained by retained by the people. What they have argued then in cases is that there is a penumbra. What is the penumbra? When the rays of the sun, when you look up and you see the rays of the sun in an eclipse, and you see the beams of the sunlight coming out around the moon, that in between those great bright beams of light, those are the amendments of the Constitution. But between there where you perceive darkness, there's actually light. It's just those beams of light are not as bright as the big beams of light. And so it makes it look like there's darkness. And really, there's light there too. Those are the penumbras. And in those penumbras, there are rights. So what the Supreme Court said in Griswold is that you have a right to privacy under the Fourth Amendment. And it is made clear by the Ninth Amendment, the penumbra, there are more rights in the Constitution than you perceive in the brightness of the Bill of Rights. And then in the 14th Amendment, they said those rights apply now to the states, not just the federal government. So along comes a few years later after Griswold, the Roe v. Wade case. And the Roe v. Wade case says, behold, within the right to privacy of the Fourth Amendment, through the penumbras of the Ninth Amendment, applied to the states by the 14th Amendment is the right to murder your child. Now, they didn't call it that, but that's what they meant. You have the right to kill your child. You have the right to commit homicide on another living human being because the court ruled your right to privacy as a woman involves your right to murder your child if it inconveniences you. And what they did is they said in the first, they, they came up with the trimester rule that we all talk about that really isn't a real thing, but the Supreme Court took it as a real thing. Uh, they, they, really, the Supreme Court's entire case, if you actually read the history of Roe v. Wade, it was a scam. Uh, and the Supreme Court took a lot of fraudulent doctors' evidence. Uh, in fact, Norma McCorvey, who was Roe in the case, became a pro-life advocate later in life. Nonetheless, the Supreme Court said there's an abortion right. And in the first three months, the Supreme Court ruled you can't really regulate abortion. In the second three months, the second trimester, you can begin to apply regulations. And in the third trimester, you can prohibit abortion in a lot of circumstances. 
That was Roe v. Wade. Well, you fast forward to Casey in the 80s. Uh, Ronald Reagan had been president. You had Antonin Scalia there. You had uh, Anthony uh, Kennedy there. You had Sandra Day O'Connor there. You had William Rehnquist there. And they thought, yes, yes, we can get rid of Roe v. Wade now here in the 1980s. It's kind of like Seth in the Garden of Eden. They, they, they thought Seth was the redeemer. He, he, you had Cain and Abel, and then you had Seth. Yes, this guy. And then they thought, no, no, now it's going to be Noah. Noah's going to be the redeemer. Nope. Well, they thought Casey would be the redemptive case law. And instead, Kennedy and O'Connor came out as pro-abortion, essentially. And they altered the standard of Roe v. Wade from regulating by the trimesters to the point of viability. And that became the key language for abortion law in this country. You could not ban abortion prior to the moment of viability. Well, this has done a very weird thing within the abortion industry. The abortion industry is the most hostile industry in this country to premature babies. The abortion industry of this country has done everything possible to drag out um, the, the viability of a child. You can. There are children in this country who are born who are extreme preemies, and the abortion industry does not like that. That is becoming more and more routine because that then curtails viability to about twenty-two weeks. They don't like it. So Casey changed the standard from trimester to point of viability. And now here comes Mississippi and says, hey, we'd actually like to ban abortion after 15 weeks. And also, would you get rid of Casey and Roe so that we can regulate abortion even in the beginning at at one week? We can ban it all together. And the Supreme Court is going to rule on this case within weeks. And the left is upset now that they haven't done enough to make Americans terrified. And so they're about to begin an aggressive campaign because they've concluded they can't save themselves from the wrath of the voters, but they may be able to turn out young women to save them or at least mitigate the damage by scaring them about their ability to kill their children. What they plan on doing when we come back. Greetings. Welcome. It is me. I, however, we we're going to say it, whatever the proper grammar is, it's Eric Erickson. The phone number is 877-973-7425 if you want to call in. So if you're just tuning in, the Democrats have a real problem. The Supreme Court in a few weeks is probably going to up in Roe v. Wade. Now, let me tell you what I actually think is going to happen here. I I'm unwilling to get excited at the thought that they're going to get rid of it altogether. They may. I mean, I don't know that Roberts will. You know, Roberts' wife is a pro-life activist. Uh, She was in charge of Feminist for Life until he got on the court and had to step aside. He may join them. Uh, Roberts in the oral argument seemed very clear he wanted to uphold the 15-week abortion ban, maybe not go all the way to getting rid of Casey and Roe. But uh, you got Alito, Gorsuch, Thomas, Barrett, and Kavanaugh. They're all pro-lifers. And Roberts is pro-life. They may do it. They may go all the way. My guess is they compromise and do the 15-week ban, though, and say the 15-week ban is good. Um, If that's the case, the left has problems because – They really think that this is going to inspire people to storm the polls, but will it? Because they can't pack the Supreme Court. They can't get rid of the filibuster. 
They think it's going to somehow mitigate the damage. Look, if the Republicans control the House and the Democrats control the Senate, there's no reason to get rid of the filibuster, particularly with 2024 coming when the Republicans will take back the Senate. And the Democrats right now say, we've got to have Joe Biden out there. We've got to have Joe Biden. We've got to have Joe. Joe's got to be out there talking. There's an incredible story in the Washington Post that the Democrats are starting to feel like they're going to be caught flat-footed by the reversal or the curtailing of Roe. And they want the president out there talking about it right now. And the problem is the president's got to be out there talking right now about how good it's been for people with the economy. And they don't think the president can talk about the good economy and killing kids at the same time that the message doesn't work. And so now there's a big division within the Republican Party or within the Democratic Party. What do you fight on? Do you fight on uh, Roe or do you fight on the economy? My guess is they're going to ditch the economy and go to abortion because they got to have young women come out and support them. Remember, Biden, according to the Gallup poll now, does best with college-educated women. They are his number one demographic right now. That also happens to be the most pro-abortion demographic in the country. So I suspect you're about to see the Democrats go all in on abortion. The problem for them is that most Americans actually are more pro-life than pro-church. Now, they're, they're far less pro-life than I am. But they're far more pro-life than your average Democrat. And that's going to hurt the Democrats when their entire November message is January 6th, an abortion. It's not going to work for them. Hello. It is Eric Erickson here. Glad to have you with me. Um, I want to I want to tread into some territory here that, that we need to visit uh, based on some audio from Chuck Todd. Now, listen, um, I, I got to preface it this way. I I actually get along with a whole lot of people left, right, and center. Uh, I, and, you know, I try to have a diverse set of friends, and sometimes it can be difficult. And I wouldn't say Chuck Todd and I are friends. We are acquaintances. I've been on Meet the Press a whole lot until I uh, decided to endorse Trump for 2020, and then it all stopped. Uh, but we we get along. Um, but I I got a I got a comment on something that he said because it's part of a larger issue. And so first, let me begin with the audio in question. The right wing has embraced character assassination as a political tactic these days, and grooming is a new buzzword in some corners of the right in order to weaponize this character assassination and dehumanization campaign. Their narrative around indoctrinating children has become a key part of the GOP messaging strategy in the midterms. It's been embraced by the mainstream, this QAnon-driven conspiracy, mind you, by the way, folks. Some Democrats see McMorrow's speech as a potential roadmap and how to respond to a line of attacks the Democrats are going to see plenty of heading into November. If you haven't seen the video, and I, I, I started to play it the other day here, but I didn't, there's a Michigan state legislator who had been attacked as a groomer by a Republican member of the legislature, and she confronted the man in a fiery speech on the floor of the Michigan State House of Representatives. And Chuck Todd had her on his Meet the Press show. This, by the way, is one of the reasons I am hesitant to use the phrase groomers. I know most of my friends have embraced it and have accepted it as true. I think it's bad I think it is 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 not healthy. 
Uh, and one of the reasons I think it's not healthy is because we so often these days, our word choices that we think are um, tactically and strategically useful for us to advance our cause, we're inspiring crazy. And uh, now we, well, not we, an idiot in the state legislature in Michigan handed the Democrats a weapon by going overboard, uh, by being confronted by someone more articulate than himself who could push back on the idea. I think there are groomers. I think there are pedophiles and pedophilia sympathetic people out there in public schools, but I don't think overwhelmingly people are. I think there are people who oppose uh, the the Florida Parental Rights and Education Act and others, not because they're groomers, but because um, they have other ideas, other philosophies, other worldviews that don't involve them thinking that people or kids should be groomed. They just disagree. And we shouldn't condemn them as groomers for disagreeing with us on politics. We should acknowledge people can have differences of opinion. Too many people on the left and the right these days think that any opinion other than their own is invalid, and I reject that. But I I, I got to note something here. To my knowledge, Chris or Chuck Todd has not had on Chris Rufo. To my knowledge, Chuck Todd has not had Chris Rufo on Meet the Press to talk about this issue. To my knowledge, Chuck Todd has not had on Corey DeAngelis, the leading advocate for school privatization and choice in this country. I don't think Chuck has had him on the program. Chris Rufo and Corey DeAngelis have been the biggest leaders on this effort to push back against critical race theory in schools. They haven't been on Chuck Todd's program. So Chuck Todd is willing to have on the state legislator who's a Democrat who took a stand against the right but has not had on the people from the right. Instead, he just says, oh, QAnon adjacent. It's, it's based on QAnon. It's actually not. Now, there are QAnon supporters who believe this stuff, and there is overlap in some of the ideas on what's happening, but they're not actually – the same thing, and it's dishonest to say it is. It's a mischaracterization. At a time so many in the media are worried about disinformation and misinformation, that is misinformation. Now, QAnon is nuts, and I know some people listening right now believe it, that there is a satanic, super-secret, deep state funding child pedophilia and human trafficking around the world, and Donald Trump was anointed by God to stop it, but in 2020, uh, Satan got the last laugh and beat him. I, I, I know there are QAnon people out there. It's nuts. That is the basic belief of QAnon. And they find human trafficking and pedophilia everywhere. They've expanded credible issues, to, and it really does discredit the issues. And it's become very useful, QAnon, for the media to dismiss any talk of this as, as just, it's QAnon. No, 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 I'm sorry. But when you believe that a third grader or a three-year-old, and we've seen the libs of TikTok account and the teachers in Florida who did say that a, a preschool three-year-old is able to learn about gender identity and sex. That is kind of softening them up for later abuse and perversion. Chris Rufo highlighted the summer camp for sex in Kentucky. 
the leader of the summer camp, who describes herself as a uh, Wiccan member of a witch coven, believes that children should be taught self-sexual gratification. She said that the moment her nieces and nephews are able to talk and walk at that young of an age, she begins to teach them masturbatory techniques. That's what this woman says on video. She was proud of it. She was boastful of it, of the summer camp. Notice the media won't say anything. This is one of the most remarkable things about the Libs of TikTok account is in all of the attacks on the Libs of TikTok account, no one wanted to actually play the videos. They wanted to characterize them and say she was engaged in targeted character assassination. They never actually wanted to play the videos. They never actually wanted you to hear what she was actually showing. They never wanted to do that. Why not? Why not? Why, why, why not show it for the world? Because if you saw what the teachers were actually saying, you would be offended. And so I just, I, I think it's one, well, look, I like T- Chuck Todd. I respect Chuck Todd. We disagree. I disagree with him here. I just think it's notable. He wants to say this is QAnon, and he wants to bring on the aggrieved Democrat, but you haven't heard on his program from Chris Rufo. You haven't heard on his program from Corey DeAngelis. You haven't heard from these people. He can just wave it off and say it's QAnon. Now here's the bigger point. Chuck Todd's not a dumb guy. And Chuck Todd, more than most in Washington, does try to have his finger on the pulse of people on the right. And so if Chuck Todd really thinks it's groomers, and Chuck Todd really doesn't think it's a big deal, and really thinks this is just the right engaged in character assassination with no basis for doing so, then that means the rest of the media is completely out to lunch. If Chuck Todd doesn't get it, I assure you the rest of the media surely doesn't get it. And if the rest of the media doesn't get it, I assure you the Democrats don't get it either. And if the Democrats don't get it and the media doesn't agree, holy cow, are they in for a rude awakening in November? Because I got to tell you, parents are furious. Parents are furious at what's happening in school systems. Let me tell you about a completely unrelated subject, but it is related to this. I have a relative who is a school bus driver. And... In her school district, there is a school bus driver shortage. So they are putting kids on buses in excess of the capacity of the buses. Some of the school buses, the school system, is putting so many kids on buses. The school bus holds about 70 kids, and they're putting 80 kids on the bus. And kids are either having to sit in each other's laps or on the floor, which they're not supposed to do. And this relative of mine went to the school board, said, you got a problem here. You're not paying enough to hire bus drivers. You've lost bus drivers. You need 30-some-odd bus drivers. You're not paying enough to hire them. You're putting in football fields. You're building fancy athletic facilities, but you're not paying school bus drivers. 
And the result is that uh, you've had more school bus drivers die this past year in the school system than have been hired. And the result is that you now have bus drivers who are overworked, driving very long routes, and it has created an unsafe condition. And the school system told the relative of mine, well, talk to your state representative. We've been trying to tell them it's a problem, and they won't listen, and they won't give us the money. So this relative of mine actually is in Bible study with the state representative and told the state representative what was going on. The state representative, you will not be surprised to learn, had no knowledge of it. And so then the school system blamed the state and did not realize my relative knew me. And do you know who I know? I know the governor of this relative state. I'm friends with the governor and his chief of staff in the state. So I let them know. And they said this was very interesting to them because the school system had not said anything. In fact, some school systems had complained about the situation and needed help. And the state was willing to help. But this particular school system in this particular county had said nothing at all. They knew nothing about it. And so the school system was packing kids on buses. Now, in one of the buses, a parent saw that the kids were sitting on the floor and complained and got the school bus driver in trouble. Not not this relative of mine, uh, a friend. This is what got my relative engaged in this is the friend got in trouble for making kids sit on the floor of an overpacked school bus. And the friend is mad because the school system made the person do this. And when the parent realized what was happening and complained, they threw the school bus driver under the bus, metaphorically speaking, when they had been the ones to tell the school bus driver to do it. All of these stories tie together in a neat little bow here. Local school boards are doing these things, and governments don't know. And what these local school board systems are doing right now is they're pulling the wool over the eyes of congressmen and people like Chuck Todd and members of the media say, no, this stuff doesn't go on. But the parents know it does. The parents know what's going on. And the parents are furious. And the Democrats don't believe it's true. It's not that they know it's happening. And you do need to understand this. The Democrats really don't believe it's a problem. They see the videos that, that libs of TikTok and say, well, it's one person doing this. It's not the whole school system. They have no idea it's really happening. At the local level, they may not. But Congress, they don't. That's why they can't see what's coming. That's why they can't see the wave of rage from parents coming because they become disconnected from the people they serve. They become disconnected from their constituencies. And the media portrays the constituents who have the concern as QAnon or QAnon adjacent so they don't even realize it's a real problem. And they dismiss it. And they prop up the supposed victims who are the aggrieved state legislators who have been called groomers as opposed to the real victims who are the parents and kids Subjected to the system. Hell is coming for them in the form of voters at the ballot box in November. And they don't recognize that it's coming. And they're convincing themselves of a new talking point that we'll get into when we come back. 
But first, I got to tell you about Patriot Mobile. Patriot Mobile is a cell phone company that the owners are Christian conservatives, really. They're not just telling you that. They actually are. I know them. I know the guy who started the company. It was his idea. And they give a portion of their profits to the conservative movement. So the more people who use them, and I'm a customer, our profits that we generate for them go to the conservative cause. And that conservative cause is growing right now. The veterans movement, the first responder movement, uh, the the Second Amendment lobby, the pro-life cause, all of them funded by the profits generated by Patriot Mobile. And if you take your business there, it grows their profits, so they spend more money on these causes. And you get world-class service. I mean, you're using the same cell towers everybody else is using. The Verizons, the AT&Ts, they use those towers, so you don't have to worry about 5G, voice, uh, any of that stuff. Data. What you do is you go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric, patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K. Move your service to them, or you can call them. They have 100% U.S.-based customer service, 972-PATRIOT. Tell them I sent you. You get free activation. They give great discounts to veterans, first responders, teachers, NRA members. You get great service. They're good people. PatriotMobile.com slash Eric. Hello there. So I want to I want to tell you uh, what the talking point is going to be from the left these days is that twenty twenty two is not going to be a referendum on Biden. It's going to be a referendum on on Crazy Town USA. That I guarantee you is what they're going to start saying. I'm already starting to hear it crop up. That it's going to be uh, the Republican crazy. If Republicans nominate crazy, it's going to be a, a referendum on do you, the American people, want to support Republican crazy or moderate Joe Biden? Uh, here's the problem. Here's the Bank of America CEO. Fairly optimistic in that we believe growth in the next couple of years as a company and, and everything we see supports that. So do you think we'll see a recession this year or not? I don't think so. Not this. I mean, you know, got, it's got to be two quarters and you're almost through two and it hasn't happened yeah, yet. So let's just, so the point. idea is it'll be out there. But, you know, this was, if you think about the cycle, we had the longest recovery cycle leading into the pandemic. The pandemic changed everything. You had a recession. But the reality is if you really step back and said, the federal government, uh, Congress, administration pushed so much money and they actually put it, spackled over the recession. Yeah. So potentially you could view this as we're still in this long re- uh, recovery cycle from the financial crisis. Yeah. And that it got interrupted by this moment in time. And now the question is, what's the geopolitical risk? What's the Europe risk and the growth and things like that? Because that's, that's where the next round comes from. Food, food issues, Europe growth issues, China issues, the things you were talking about in shutdowns, that all could impact the ability for the U.S. to keep growing. But the U.S. is the place to be right now. Uh, that's what he says. The problem is Deutsche Bank uh, raising eyebrows. They're the first major bank to forecast a U.S. recession. They say it's going to be a mild one. Now it's warning of a deeper downturn caused by the Federal Reserve's quest to knock down high inflation. We will get a major recession now, Deutsche Bank economists wrote in a report on Tuesday. The problem, according to the bank, is that while inflation may be peaking, it will take a long time before it gets back down to 2%. That suggests the central bank will raise interest rates so aggressively that it hurts the economy. We regard it as highly likely that the Fed will have to step on the brakes even more firmly and a deep recession will be needed to bring inflation to heel, Deutsche Bank economists wrote in a report with the ominous title, Why the Coming Recession Will Be Worse Than Expected. Consumer prices spiked by 8.5% in March, the fastest pace in 40 years. The jobs market remains on fire with unemployment falling to the lowest level since the 1950s, except there's a labor shortage in addition to very low unemployment. 
we have a deeply unstable market situation. The recession will happen next year, but we'll start to feel it coming this year. And I don't believe that uh, the voters will really care about a crazy Republican if they think they can stop Joe Biden, particularly if they do a student loan bailout, which, by the way, Nancy Pelosi last year said the president had no power to do. It's going to be interesting to see her reverse herself now on this. Uh, deeply unstable economic ties. Meanwhile, the media thinks the biggest news in America is still Elon Musk buying Twitter. And my gosh, they've gone into disinformation overload against him. We'll talk about that and more on police deaths when we come back. Huge, huge data out there on police deaths.